Because I believe it's time to preach. Have your Bible. Turn with me, please, to Galatians. This book is a warning not to go back to the works of the law to try to finish up anything Jesus has already finished. You give me your best attention. In that uh, fifth chapter and verse 14, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now skip with me, please, to the 14th verse. We're going to wind up the chapter, take a text, and then preach. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. Now, here's my text. From henceforth, let no man trouble me for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Our Father, we need the enlightenment that only the Holy Spirit can give. We need the power that only he could give. And I pray today, that we'll realize that we're sitting in the very presence of a holy God. And I pray that reverence may come from our heart and we may worship and adore thee. Dear Lord, remind us that Jesus is still the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. And we thank thee for the visitors that are here today. Make this a blessed morning for them. And bless this hour's broadcast as it goes out across the nation, and beyond. Lord, help us to reach souls for thee. Give us liberty, and may the run, word of God run and have free course. In Jesus' name, amen. I bear in my body the marks of the brand. Now, I knew a man. He's with the Lord today. His name was Arthur Morrison. That was my home base. And Mrs. Morrison, one of the greatest Bible women I guess that ever lived. Brother Arthur was an old cowboy. He wore his boots. He watched the brands at uh, the stock market in Fort Worth. Years and years and years, he watched every brand come through the chute. Every ah, oh, listen. He detected more stolen cattle than probably any man while he worked. He, he knew the brands of every old rancher in West Texas and East Texas and all the rest. Now, the brand identified the cow with its owner. Now, suppose a cow came through without a brand. No way. I mean, it could be most anybody's cow. You know what a maverick is? That's an unbranded cow. I wonder if you got any brand on you. Are you ashamed of your brand? Paul said, I bear in my body the brand of the Lord Jesus. 
Have you ever been branded or are you just sort of maverick? I think we've got a lot of running mavericks in this country. They're not tied on to nothing. I mean, so-called spiritual people, you know. But they don't, they, they're, 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 there's nobody good enough to fellowship with them. Critical of the church. Critical of spiritual things, a lot of it. And uh, they've built their own. I still believe in the local church. I believe when Sunday rolls around, I ought to head toward the church house. And uh, I believe that we need, every one of us need to be branded. We need to have the right brand on us. Now, turn with me to Leviticus 19, chapter 20. I want to give you something. This will settle it. Now, let me ask you, do you believe that it's all right to have a tattoo? Have you ever noticed that the tattoos have always been of the devil? You never have any spiritual tattoos. I mean, uh, they're just not spirit. They just work. It takes an operation to get that off. What does the Bible say? The Bible is the answer. And uh, notice in the 19th um, chapter, and uh, it'll be verse uh, 28. Ye shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. Why? I'm the Lord. That means no tattoos. That's of the devil. They're sinful. You don't cut in the flesh. You don't mark. You don't. That's not the kind of brand that I'm talking about. It may be all right for a cow, but not for a person. Now, you believe the devil's got his brands? Now, stay with me. And don't, some of you visitors here, maybe you haven't been to a church where uh, they preach the truth. I had a man to come in, and um, he comes from one of these uh, sort of mixed-up uh, churches, you know. And uh, he, I, we got talking about the standards and the rules, and uh, we said, now, our girls wear dresses, and I so preach. And he said, well, my preacher doesn't. I said, uh, we preach that boys ought to have decent haircuts. He said, my preacher doesn't. And uh, I said, uh, we stand solid against television and preach again. He said, my preacher doesn't. I said, we stand against rock and roll. He said, my preacher doesn't. I said, I doubt if your preacher preaches the gospel. That could be one of your problems. Now, you'd say, but Brother Olaf, do you think that's really the gospel? No. I believe that the gospel is the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ but when you get saved you're a new creature and old things pass away behold all things have become new and so I believe that uh, God's people ought to be told by the way they talk the way they walk the way they dress and I want to give you some of the brands I think there is the smell brand that's right I believe that the devil's people smell different ordinarily uh, last night Till nearly midnight, I wrestled with a drunkard. And at 3.30 this morning, a dope addict called me. And I talked to him and then got up. At, uh, well, never did go back to sleep. But I mean, brother, we got some problems on our hands. And the thing about it is, a man gets drunk or gets doped up, he knows more than everybody in town. And one of the ways you can tell a drunk and a dope addict in calling you, he'll call you, in the middle of the night because he's up, he wants everybody else to get up. And they think nothing wrong with it. I just thought I'd call you and jabber with you a while and talk to you a while. Crazy as a lunatic. 
They smell like their brain. You say, what do you mean? Chesterfield, unlucky strike, Paul Mall and Pell Mell, and most of them going to hell. You say, what do you mean, Brother Luff? I just mean that when you get saved, brother, all of that stuff ought to be left aside. What do you think the Bible means when it said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are gone. What would be the old things? Name them. The devil's got his brand on people. Yes, the cigarettes, the smell, the liquor, John Barleycorn, dope. You can tell a hippie when you see him, can't you? He's not ashamed he's a hippie. He's proud of his hair. I've had him to bring, had a preacher to bring his boy in, and I want you to know he sat in my study. He couldn't listen to me for stroking his long hair. I mean, he was just kind of petting his hair long. Preacher! He lost out with his boy. He couldn't even cut his boy's hair. His boy turned out to be a dope addict, a rock and roll fanatic. And I said to the young man, I said, son, you'll have to get your hair cut. You're identified with the wrong crowd and you're changing company. He stroked his hair a few more times and said, I'll never do it. He said, it took me 10 years to grow this. I said, it won't take us 10 minutes to ungrow it. And he said, I'll never do it. I said, all right, Dad, you heard him. I'll let you sleep on that mop top one more night. And you know what? That boy walked in the next morning. Daddy must have prayed most of the night over his mistakes and his lack of control of a hoodlum. That boy walked into my study and said, Brother Olaf, I'm ready for the bar. I said, son, I'm glad. Listen, he made one of the finest boys. I never forget the 25-year-old man that walked in my study when I had my studio down on Park Avenue. And he walked in the studio, and uh, he had uh, long hair, and it was pretty well kept, even though the average man doesn't know beans about taking care of long hair. Not supposed to know anything about it. And so he came in and he said, uh, I'm here for help. I'm about to go to penitentiary. I'm in a lot of trouble and very smart, educated in many ways. And I said, all right, we'll have our barber to come. And um, he said, not to cut my hair, he won't. I said, all right, son, you're 25 years old. You've never gotten off the ground. Think of it. Wasted 25 years. You've never amounted to one thing. Now then, you're saying you're going to let uh, your hair send you right on to the pen because you're going back up uh, past Colorado, up in those northern, northwestern states, and you're going to be up there, and you're going right to the pen when you go back. And they know you know that. He said, yes, sir. I said, think it over. Thought it over about 15 minutes. He walked back up the stairs. Said, Brother Olaf, it's foolish for me to cling to something that doesn't amount to that much, and I want to get it cut. I got a letter from him a good many months ago. He's back home. He's teaching three Bible classes a week. God wonderfully blessed him, and they will forget the good times we had together. The devil's got his friends. You see, 
One of the things we have to do with the boys and the girls, we got to get the devil's brands off of them before we can put the new brands on them. Yes, there's a language brand. You know, I can tell where you're going by the way you talk. Your language. Oh, your language. Now, what if I walk down the street and I begin to spit out some big wild oaths? I begin to curse and profane the name of the Lord. And I begin to call people ugly and filthy and ungodly names. And immediately you'd brand me, wouldn't you? I'd brand myself. You'd say he may be a preacher, but he's not a Christian. Dear friend, and the Bible says that good and bad water ought to not come from the same source. I believe there's the face mark. I believe there's a countenance mark. I like the verse said, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. I believe that our countenance, our expression. I was in the bank last week and, uh, and they're so nice and I, I told them what was going on and I told them that I think everything's going to be all right. And, uh, and uh, she looked at me and she said, Brother Olaf, you seem so exuberant and happy this morning the way you ought to be. I could have come in and said, well, I guess we've flubbed the dub. I've done it again. I don't know whether the Lord's going to meet our need. That's a bunch of Tommy rot. Ah, uh, listen, where's your faith? Because God Believe him. Stand on his promises. Watch him fulfill them. Now then, I want to talk to you about the right kind of brands. Can't you tell them when they walk down the street? You walk in the bank, you look at the people. Ah, uh, you see the word looks. Ah, uh, listen, you go in the courthouse, and it's the saddest place I know in the land's a courthouse. You find a husband sitting over there and a wife sitting over here. They're mad at the world and especially each other. Maybe 40 years they've lived together and they've asked the divorce court to separate them legally. Grown children are there. Grandchildren sometimes sit in the court, weeping, crying. Brother, the devil's got his brands on his kids. He got all his brands. You can tell the devil's crowd when you see them, the way they dress, the way they smell, the way they walk, the way they talk, where they go, what they do, and the way they... Oh, you can tell the devil. Now then, can you tell a Christian? I mean, is there any difference at all? I'm going to come to Mary Madeline O'Hare tonight in her last episode. And the thing that's wrong with that dear disillusioned, blind, unbelieving atheist is she doesn't know the difference between Christianity and religion. And the thing that's astounding is I agree with her on a lot of things. Our main disagreement is she doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, therefore she's lost as a goslet. That makes her wicked. Her mouth spits out ugliness and profanity. And in that article, she asked God to damn all the churches. And a lot of them are already damned. But that's none of her business. God will never damn our church as long as it's true to Jesus. No matter if an atheist does ask him to. Woman like that has no right to even mention God's name. She doesn't know him. Ah, uh, listen, you know, 
I've been to Georgia. Brother Johnny brought me a big uh, two or three sacks of Georgia peaches. And even though I'm from Texas, I'll have to admit that Brother Cameron and everybody else at Georgia grows peaches. I mean, uh, you can smell them. You can taste them. And it's hard to eat them in secret. Not much way. Juice will run down your chin. The smell will cut across the room. Now, suppose Madeline Murray O'Hare came up to me and I was in a big smile and a great big peach was in my mouth and the juice had just squirted and spurted and it had run down both sides of my chin and I'd conquered as much as I could and send it down another direction. And she said, I don't believe in peaches. Listen, do you think I'd throw that piece down? I might hit her with a seed. But listen, she said, I don't, I'm against peaches. I don't even believe in them. I don't think they even exist. I just keep it. That's right. I just keep, I'd enjoy that peach. And she said, I don't think it tastes good. I think they're horrible. You know what I do? I say, Madeline, Murray, O'Hare, I want to ask you one question. And I'd hold out that big, red, beautiful peach that the Lord had kissed on both cheeks with his sunshine. No, listen, the juice is just kind of almost bubbling. I said, have you ever tasted a peach? She said, no, I've never tasted a peach. I said, you have no right to judge a peach either. Now then, did you get it? I said, have you ever known Jesus? Have you ever met him? Have you ever tasted that the Lord is gracious? And she says, no. I said, keep your big mouth shut then. I have. Yeah. I've been eating these peaches for over 50 years. I give you six brands quickly. Number one, these marks must be. There's the birthmark. I've seen people. You don't see people with birthmarks. Uh, the first birthmark like you used to seem like, but there must be a birthmark or you're not saved. Jesus said you must be born again. You don't get that from the Pope or the Virgin Mary or the Baptist Church. And you don't get it out of the Baptist. And you don't get it out of your good works. You're born of the Spirit. That's the birthmark. Second, there's the watermark. The watermark. You say, what are you talking about? Well, just when you get saved. Somebody came to me here yesterday. She said, Brother Olaf, I want to be baptized. I said, next time we baptize, we'll surely be glad to back the watermark. You say, what does it do to you? Proves you're obedient to Christ. Symbolizes three things. Death to sin. Death to the old life. Burial of the old life. Resurrection to walk in newness of life. That's what it shows. It's only a symbol, an outward symbol of an inward transaction. And so there ought to be uh, the watermark. Third, there ought to be the bookmark. That's the Bible. If you let me see what you do with your Bible, I can tell you what kind of Christian you are. You young boys sitting right out here, you boys and you girls and you older people, gray tops and baldies and all the rest of us, if you do not love the Word of God, there's something wrong with your brand of Christianity. 
Oh, listen. Uh, what about the bookmark? What about this old book right here? How long does it take you to wear out a Bible? And you never wear out the truth, you wear out the paper. You wear out the backs and the part, of, but you don't wear out the, the word itself, it's eternal. Ah, listen. Uh, have you been walking through? Listen, if you've been traveling a certain road, there'll be no grass growing there. And when you're walking through the Bible, you leave some footprints. Yes, sir. Many years ago, when the old saints would die, a house full of children maybe would come, all of them grown maybe, and they'd, they'd say, which one is going to get mother the Bible? All of them owned it. Every one of them owned the Bible. It usually be passed on to the oldest daughter or to the oldest son or maybe the one that might have been a preacher said, I'd like to have mother's Bible. Oh, listen, uh, the bookmark. Not only the bookmark, what about the knee mark? The knee mark. You know, I heard an undertaker say, uh, oh, good many years ago, somebody was talking about somebody that died, and, and they said, you know, he didn't have much, and he never did accumulate anything, and uh, they almost classed him as a ne'er-do-well, lived such a simple life. And the undertaker kept listening. He said, well, he said, you can say what you will, but I've never seen such needs. When I embalmed him, I've never seen such calluses on him. Out of all the people I've ever embalmed, I've never seen such praying marks on the knee. Boy, that's coming close to home, isn't it? Oh, the knee mark. When the undertaker looks at my knees, is he going to find any signs of fellowship with our Lord? Oh, could there be 24 hours in my life without working on the knee mark? That's the thing that changes lives, and that's the thing that keeps you in touch with the Lord Jesus Christ. There must be the knee mark. Two others and I'm through. The collar mark. Now, without me having to refresh your memory, you know where I came from. Off of the farm. From the time I had to stand on a box to put the collar around old Jesse Rhodes neck, buckle it at the top and throw the old harness on him, buckle up the hands, hook them up. Oh, those hot summer days in July and August after we'd thrashed our oats and I'd sit out there by the hour with those mules with a little old turning plow. Days and days and days and days it took me to plow the field. Wasn't like the tractors are now. But oh, I tell you, I'd begin to see old Jesse as he'd turn a little sideways and He'd pull maybe with one shoulder, and my daddy would come, my father would come. And he said, son, uh, let, me, let me look at his shoulder. And he'd pull that old collar up, and sure enough, there was some old red, and it was bloody. And dad said, I've got to go to town. He'd beat it to town and come back, and I'd take him out, and then we'd go out. My daddy put a big old, I can see those old orange pads bright iron, he'd put it around him and he took his old knife and he cut a hole in it. And he, that hole was the same size of that sword on old Jesse's shoulder. 
and that and when I'd hook old Jesse up, I can see him as he turned just a little bit till he made sure that sword was in that hole and then he'd pull the rest of the day. You've heard many stories of that old mule named Jesse, but I tell you one thing. When he got too old to work and uh, he retired in our pasture, you didn't have to go out and say, Hey, Jesse, have you ever pulled a plow? All he had to do, he said, Just feel my collar marks. Feel them old scars all over his shoulder. Ah, listen, dear friends. This thing will be over one of these days. Paul said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Has the Lord ever had to bring a spiritual pad to cover the sores of your service, to keep you pulling and plowing the gospel I bear in my body? Marks of the Lord Jesus. I guess I'll give one more. That's the cross. Paul said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Christ by which I'm crucified the world, world unto me. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the power of God, the cross. Oh, there ought to be a sign of the cross, not just hanging around your neck, around your ankle, or around your arm, or sticking upon the church. The cross ought to show in the way you live. That's your death place. I'm going to stand for Christ.